Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All of us today, today is, a, is a, one of those you would not want to be me. Uh, so this, this, this here puts us in one of these subjects that is just um, difficult for us to deal with, not because we're scared of talking about sin, but just the approach has to be correct for all of us if we're going to continue to win the center and if the church is not going to get the wrong spirit while we're doing it. So we want to talk a little bit today. And my, my question in this series is today... In fact, this is what I got. So y'all, y'all understand where I'm at. I got about two index cards that had the word homosexuality written on it. Question mark. Y'all want to deal with that one? God bless you. Uh, so I didn't have a statement written, just that word. And although we're not going to touch every one of the index cards that were turned in, I felt like this one could be talked about but not just focus on that. Because I don't think you can just focus on that. I think you have to deal with a lot of things. And see, that's one of the things we're doing is just trying to pull things out. So I'm here to talk to you today, and I feel like I have some revelations that I want to share out to you, <laughs> some things I want to share with you. You're either going to love me or hate me at the end, but I'm still going to be pastor tomorrow in Jesus' name, all right? How, this is what I'm going to call, this is, the, this is the question today. How should the church... Love the sinner. Do y'all think that's a good? I made that question up off of that other, but this is how I'm going to approach it. Is that cool? How should the church love the sinner? So I want to tell you one other thing before I start. I am not here to try to condemn the church, but I have to talk pretty direct to the church today. So, But I'm not here to con- condemn you, speak down to you. I'm talking to me and you both. Is that cool? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Social, social media has brought out a dark side of Christianity, and I think we'd all agree to that. And torrents of hate spill into social media comments on a daily basis. Um, and names are called, insults are hurled, whether it be about politics, whether it be about uh, sexual sins of any nature. Uh, it, there, there is just so much stuff and it's brought out this dark side of Christianity uh, because we feel like we have to fight for the faith and I, and I get it, okay? I get it. And somehow we're expected to win. This is the unique thing. In the middle of all of this, we're expected to win people to Christ. This is such a unique, tough subject. I even wore a tie today. It's the first time I've ever worn a tie in a couple of years probably. So you know it's tough when I wear a tie. That's not why I wore a tie. I just, y'all want to know why I wore a tie? I did a funeral yesterday and this outfit was laying out and it just looked like let's go with that one. All right? It's this dark side of faith that the world reacts against so violently. They don't like our approach and their, their scapegoat for subjective morality is the way the church 
approaches this. So put your thinking caps on with me. And for just a minute, forget being raised in the church, forget being around the church for a long time and all that stuff. But our approach and how we approach this is the world's scapegoat for subjective morality. In other words, they go, yeah, that's why we don't want to be that. And then we're expected to have revival and do the work of the Lord. And if Christian love looks like this, really, who would want it? Who would want that? And I'm speaking of Christianity as a whole and how we approach some of these things. Who would want that? And we at the church have now come up with a little comeback. And I will say I have used this here today. And I've used this many times. And so I'm, I'm speaking to myself and what I'm about to say. And we the church have come up with a comeback that we all use often. And we have bought into it. And it is our answer to homosexuality and lesbianism and transgenderism and 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 heterosexual sex outside of marriage. We all those different things because it's all labeled in some categories of sexual sin and different things. And so we come up with a statement and I bet you've used this. If not, you've heard it, okay? And that is this. Hate the sin but Hate the sin, but love the sinner. Just, just come on, get honest with me, my hands up. Have, have you used that? I've used that. Come on. Have, it's kind of been our jars going, oh, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know. But, but hate the sin, but love the sinner has been my approach to some of these issues, these sin issues, these issues that seem to be so in the face of the church. And that's one of the things that's unique that we've, I don't know, I, I like to say sometimes that we've never faced, but the church has faced all this stuff before. But in our generation, it seems that probably because of social media and stuff, it seems so in our face and it's so loud and it's so vibrant and it still, it just wants to, just wants to push you down almost. And, and so we've come up with this approach and we kind of went with it and that is hate the sin but love the sinner. And it's, I can't say that it's a bad statement in itself, and I'm not saying that I won't ever use it again or you're wrong for using it in the past, but this is my concern, and this is where I'm going to spend some time preaching and kind of dealing with today, and that is this. Put, put your helmet on. You ready? We use the phrase liberally, very liberally, but do we really love liberally? Um, I'm going to say it again. We use the phrase liberally that we hate sin but love the sinner, but are we liberal with the love? I know we're liberal with the hate because I've heard that all my life. Are we liberal with the love? Is that all right? That's good stuff right there. We're liberal with the hate, but I don't know how liberal we are with the love. And there are plenty of Christian leaders out there, and it's becoming a sea of these, believe it or not, Christian leaders who see this hatred from Christians about some of these things and say no more. So we don't want to, we're not going to hate this sin because of what we see coming from Christianity. Because it doesn't look pretty, some of the things that's coming from us. 
But with the same breath that claims the love of Christ, they write off the sin completely. So there has to be a balance here somewhere. And what we have done is we have, we're blurring God's creative lines of right and wrong and they love the sinner, they, they, they love the sinner and that's what even, that's coming into Christianity hard right now, that they love the sinner and excuse the sin. Thus we end up right where we began in the first place and that is striving for this ever evasive balance of love and truth. I love that Brandon of all days used that Parkway as a church where grace and truth meet. And I think this is where this message really is today. Only by keeping our eyes fixed upon the perfect balance of love and justice can we work through this and migrate through this unique area and we focus on that by focusing on God Himself who is the perfect balance of love and justice. And by the way, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And so that's who we are to be looking at. For if God did not define these things for us, and He did define these things for us, there are some things that He did not define. I'm just going to be honest with you. And some of those things I kind of stay away from. They become traditions of the church that the church and religion has labeled and made things. But then then there's things that are just laid out very distinctly in the Word of God that they're wrong and that they will send you to the bad place and they're tough stuff. And we know those things. And so we vacillate trying to figure out how to deal with this stuff that's in our face and still love the sinner. So we, only by keeping our eyes focused on the Lord, do we have this balance? And if... And if God did not define these things for us, we would have no measure of right versus wrong. So we could say, well, I wish, I wish that the Bible would have stayed away from this thing. Had he done that, we would not have a measure of right versus wrong. And we would be unable, listen to this, to give grace because there would be no reason to give it. <laughs> for, listen to this, for without sin, there is no cause for mercy. See, none of us, all of us want our kids to be perfect, but we all teach them about grace. But when sin enters into their life and they have mistakes and you have mistakes, I'm going to tell you, it's your greatest moment to let the grace of God shine with, through the eyes of perfect love. But as we navigate this sharply divided world, we need to ask ourselves some questions. And so in a question series, I'm going to ask you some questions. And that is this. Do we actually hate sin or do we simply love judgment? It's okay to say, ow, ouch. Just don't say, I'm giving up. Because we're all right there with you. Do we actually hate sin or do we really love judgment? Using hate the sin as a license for cruelty defeats the purpose of proclaiming truth. The gospel needs no 
you got to listen to me close here. The gospel needs no help causing division. It doesn't need you piping in to create division because the gospel itself is divisive to people. Now, you say, Pastor, gospel means the good news. It does for me and you. In fact, I've got proof for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24 talks about that for those who don't know about this, it looks like foolishness. That's why they can scream at us and, and, and put all kind of hate labels on the church and all these things and they've labeled us and all those things and I talk about that and I don't like that happening but equally I don't like it happening from ours back to them. And we're standing at this pass where nobody's being one to the Lord in this, this, this situation because somehow the church hasn't really been talked to about how to handle this situation. But really remember to that person in that riot, that person that's in that, that deal, waving that sign that you hate, that person that all these things that we say, well, God hates it, I'm going to hate it, and all of those things. And, I, and I'm not saying that you're all wrong there, but there's a balance in that. And the fact that that person, when he looks at you, looks at you, and the Bible says this, looks at you like foolishness. They don't understand. Their eyes are holding. Their eyes are, are, are dark into it. And so my job is not to stand out there and say, we hate you. My job is to simply love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. That, my friends, is the first and the greatest of all of the commandments. Amen? And our second directive, this is number two on the list, the first one is i got to love my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second directive or the second commandment is this, is to love my neighbor as much as I love me. And I love me some me. And I know y'all love you some you because we in the selfie generation. And either you selfie because you don't like yourself or you do like yourself, but it comes off like you like yourself. And I, all of us do it. And every one of us do it. I, I've got a little deal on mine, so, so don't think I'm throwing you. But I've got a picture of me, and I'm looking good. I'm just telling you, I, every once in a while I find one, I'm going, man, I look good there. Let's put that one as my Facebook profile picture. Huh? I was going to change it last week, but the one I found wasn't as good as the one I had. So I said, we're going to go with that one because I'm looking good. When you're a bald man, you've got to keep looking Filter, 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 filter. Keep looking. Filter, filter, filter. I know some of y'all look good all by yourself. God bless you. you just pretty like that. I need a filter. And I'm still looking for one of them filters I can put hair on my head, and I still, Apple can't develop it real good. In fact, all they want, all the ones they have, I look like a, 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 a little, those little things that grow hair. Chia pet. I look like a chia pet. And don't y'all be sending me any today. That's not, that's not of the Lord. It's not of the Lord. <laughs> Love your neighbor as ourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Talk. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> God absolutely hates sin. And I preach against sin in this church. God hates sin. Let me tell you why He hates sin. Because He's holy. And sin is contrary to, contrary to His nature. 
and prevents humanity from approaching him. And that's why he hates sin. Not because he's against these particular... He hates sin because it separates and keeps him, keeps the people that he loves the most from approaching and coming to him. And that's why he hates sin. But because God is also so loving, he desires a relationship with humanity. Even when they're spitting at him and writing ugly things and, and doing billboards that discredit him and standing in, in college classrooms trying to talk kids out of the Lord. He still loves the professor because he's love and he desires a relationship with humanity. And Jesus was the solution to the problem of sin because he atoned through the power of his blood for my unholiness. So that through my unholiness and the blood of Jesus that comes into my unholiness, I need the grace of God. And he makes this unholy, vile person called me. He begins to make me holy like him. And none of you are there yet, so get your halo off. This is a church message today, okay? So, yet it is by God's love and mercy that any of us are able to even claim the name of Jesus today. And I think all of us would say that. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. Amen? Because had it not been for your mercy and your grace, you wouldn't even be able to be in the house today. But we are then left with this ability to have to try to discern between right from wrong in the world. And that's okay, but we're not here to turn judgment into our new hobby. And to hate sin doesn't mean we point, it, point at it with every opportunity that we have. Finding satisfaction in the failures of others. That's not why he has me here as this beacon of holiness. If they would just look at me, they would have it all right. But my, our hatred for sin, hear me when I say what I'm about to say. Our hatred for sin should be the direct result of our love for gospel hope. You, know, you want me to say it again? Do we actually, our hatred for sin should be a direct result of our love for gospel hope. Sounds a little bit more like Jesus, right? I don't hate sin just because, well, it's not fun. No, there's, there's, there's some fun stuff out there. I hate sin because it's separating people from Jesus. It's separating from people from the Lord. And because I have a love for gospel hope and what he, the Lord has done for me, I hate sin because it's what it is doing to people. We hate sin because it prevents a relationship with God. That's why we hate sin. God is the judge. And we are just the messengers of hope. That's, that's why. And we, and we would do well to remember that, that, that God is the judge and we are the messengers of hope. But I think we sometimes get confused and we become the judge and think that, that, that he's the only one that is the messenger of hope. 
But God is the judge. We are the messengers of hope. I am supposed to go out into the highways and the byways and find everyone I can. I'm not supposed to judge and figure out do they deserve it or not? Are they worthy or not? Because the guy talking to them is not worthy. My job is to just get to them and get them in the house. Get them to the banquet table. Get them in the place where they have a chance. Church is a chance. Amen? Just get them in the house of God. Pastor, what about you going to let those come in the church? Yeah, I'm going to let those come in the church. What, what about that color? What about that nationality? What about that this? What about that? What about the racist man? I'm going to let him come in the church because church is a chance. What about the neo-Nazi? Let him get in the house. Church is a chance. He's in sin. He needs to come in the house of God. What about what about the man that's, that's in heterosexual sin outside of marriage? Let him in the church because such were some of you. I'm going to let the, what about the homosexual man? I'm going to let him in the church because church is a chance. What about the lesbian? Oh, ain't nobody even clapping because you're scared to death that this is the gospel of Jesus. You ought to be on your feet because this is what will change our world when we love with that kind of intensity. Is that all right? Is that all right? That's the love. Hold on. Hold on just a second. Stay standing just a minute. You'll want that kind of love if your kids fall into that kind of sin. You want a church. You want a gospel that says this. Oh, honey, baby. I don't want you to go there, but let me just tell you something. Come with me to the house of God. But, but mama, they're going to reject me. They're going to, baby, not at our church. You can come in the house of God. Church is a chance. Church is a chance. Church is a chance. <laughs> Man, somebody just lift your hands and love the Lord just a minute. Man. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I told you it was going to be a tough message. When I say tough, just truth. Just truth. Let me ask you another question as this, and it's another another question for us all. Do we hate sin in the life of our neighbor but ignore it in our own lives? Rife with animosity. Christians go to battle. And a never-ending debate with homosexuality, abortion, politics, Christians have gotten so vile about politics, it scares me. I'm thinking, oh, please say you go to another church. And it's not, listen to me closely. It's not that I don't agree with you. I don't agree with your approach. And you'll never win the people on your street, whether they agree with you or don't agree with you, because they don't like your spirit. And they may stand with you at a rally and holler out that they're the same brand as you, but they don't want the God that you serve because you look and sound just like them. And you're full of hate and malice and frustration 
And I just want to say to all of us here today, let's step back a little bit and just ask, oh, I hate to be whatever with this statement, but what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Can I just stop and say this one other thing right here? <laughs> the New Testament is more about calling out the sins in the church than it is about calling out the sins in the world. No, it's tough, man. Y'all want to be a New Testament church? Oh, me too. I would like so-and-so to come up right now, stand before us. They're in an affair, and they want to apologize before the church. You want to be apostolic? Let's go, baby. You ready for some of that? And everybody's going, Jesus, please, right now. Lord, be a, be, a, be a fence for me. Be a fence for me. And others are going, well, I'm good right now, but 20 years ago, uh-oh. No, let's talk about it all. My, my heart is hurting. My heart is broken. I'm going to say something off the cuff, and I may get myself in trouble, but I'll try to be wise. We recently had... And I'm not, I don't preach politics from this church for a reason. It divides the congregation. But recently we had an upheaval about the Kavanaugh situation being brought. And I was broken about the whole deal. It's just, there's so much hatred. So much hatred. And I, I guess I see on the TV people screaming and they're mad. And I see people in the church screaming and they're mad. And it just doesn't seem like to be a lot of distinction. And uh, something happened this week that made me think in a little different light. And I'll share it with you. And if you agree with me, God bless you. If you don't, God bless you. But uh, we're going through a thing called Freedom in our church and just by running some quick numbers in our head we kind of came up with probably 40 this hurts me to say it but probably 40 to 50 percent of the women in our church have been abused and those women on those streets Screaming with those signs. A high majority of them have been abused. And it doesn't make what they're doing right, okay? Because they have misplaced their anger. Instead of that, their accuser. And that's what me and you would say, and I agree with you. They placed it on whether you agree or not agree, the innocent, per se. And that doesn't make things better. But I'm here to tell you, it shows me of something else that I see. And if you see through gospel eyes, I believe you'll see this. That there's women hurting. And so instead of me as a Christian getting caught up in the Kavanaugh battle, I want to get caught up in the fact that I see hurting people. 
I see a hurting man who is drinking away his sorrows. I see a hurting woman who is hurt by someone else. Both sides is hurting, and the church and the world is fighting each other. When Jesus is telling us to step back and not be the judge, but carry with you gospel hope and just heal both sides and love both sides. Is that all right? Am I I okay right now? If I'm not, I'm I'm just preaching my heart. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I have a leaning in the conversation. I have a leaning in the way that I think is right. But the fact of the matter, what I know is right, is that people don't need to be abused and people don't need to drown their sorrows in an alcohol bottle. And so I step back and go, we've got some issues here that we've got to deal with. And that is neither side really knows or understands what the gospel hope that I understand. Instead of me firing and fixing everything from my mean Facebook post, I want to get down. And without using an antibacterial deal, I want to love a sinner. I don't want to love a sinner and then get a squirt of antibacterial. I want to love a sinner. Is that all right? I want to love a sinner. I want to get down in the gutter, man. I want to get down in the gutter. Dude, you were raised in the church. You were raised in the church. You were raised by Christian families. People out there are hurting. They weren't raised the way I was raised. They weren't raised the way Adina was raised and Kevin and Renee. People are hurting. And if 40% of you women have been abused, my heart weeps with you. It's broken with you. I'm upset at the sin that brought on the offense in the first place. But I've got to tell you, the same person that created the offense is broken and now it's created you in a place of brokenness but the answer for the whole mess is Jesus Christ crucified and the blood of Jesus can heal you and save you and redeem you and raise you back up and free freedom and wholeness and healing somebody man of Come on, somebody affirm the gospel today. You affirmed it when I preached about the spirit last week, but I'm preaching about the love of Jesus today. There is no way greater love than the love of Jesus. No greater love than the love of Jesus. I want to, I want to touch, I want to touch, I got, I got to tell you. (laughs) So many families are broken. So many families are hurting. This doesn't look pretty on Facebook today. So many families are messed up and people being kept by 47 different family members and abuse is coming in and because the family is broken and situations are broken and the, no wonder we've got so much abuse and the devil sit back and laughing while the church, the Democrats and the Republicans are fighting in the church and the that are holding up the banner of right or fighting and that we look at the other and say, well, they're all wrong and we're all right. But anybody want to stop, just stop and say, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, instead of judging you, I know the Word of God is going to judge you. But as for me, I am the message of hope. I know what you see in me. You look at what I do as foolishness. But I want you to do something. I want you to look at me and my wife and my family. And I want you to look at us and with our hands wide open like Jesus on a cross with our nails running down our hands of brokenness and hurt for a world. And I want you to grab hold 
hold of the blood of Jesus. And I want you to see that same blood is for generations that have been in the church. And it's for the brand new person that don't know God. That's abused and abusted and disgusted and a motley crew. He said, that's who I want. I didn't come to say to save the one that doesn't need me. The doctor comes for the one who is sick. And I'm going to tell you, our world is sick. And the church knows the answer. Get off this stinking Facebook. Get off your stinking Twitter. Get your hands out and love a sinner. Love a sinner. They ought to be standing outside in line trying to get in this building because I preach a message of hope and love. But all we can do is stand around and look at each other and perfect one another. Somebody needs Jesus. You've heard enough message messages to save you for 30 years. You Somebody has never heard the gospel of hope. You know what? You know what? And I'm preaching to me too, but the church, oh my God, oh my God, we got to get out and love people. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll listen to what I'm preaching today, you'll start winning people to Jesus. Is that all right? You'll start winning people to Jesus and you'll get your eye off of yourself. You'll get your eye off of your own brokenness and you'll start seeing, oh my God, I thought I was broken. But I, I, I'm at work with every day with people. And there's vile things coming out of their mouth. And every curse word and every bit of nasty that's coming out is screaming to you, I need a word. I need hope. I need hope. And instead of riling back at them, I want to tell them, but Jesus. But Jesus. Would you do me a favor? I know this is weird, but would you just turn around and hug somebody's neck and just tell them, I love you. I love you. I love you. I just love you, man. I love you. I love you. Come on, let me tell you this. This is what I don't want to be. I don't want to be an overeater, over eager. I don't want to be that first one either because he talks about that too. I don't want to be an overeater, eager. Well, that's hard to say. Preaching myself today. I don't want to be an over-eager hunting dog that becomes the pointer in the church. And I walk around the world pointing, pointing, pointing. Christianity is infected with speck Christians. We can't see the speck in our own eye. Or we, can't, we see the speck in our neighbor's eye, but we got to... A, a timber in our own, Jesus said. This is what the Word says now. I'm preaching out the Word of God. And we've become spec Christians. And instead of doing this, I need to do this. <laughs> and so i got a new statement for you. Ready? I'm going to hate my own sin and love the sinner. 
the way God loves. Is that all right? I know, I know it's not popular. I'm going to hate my own sin and love the sinner the way God does. And if I'll get that straight, you watch how things start happening. Church will be filled with people. There'll be, I'm telling you, there's churches in America and different places in some of the darkest places in America. People are standing in the line waiting to get in because they're preaching a message of hope. I know this sounds tough to us today, but this is preparation for where God wants to take us. Amen? It's preparation. And we've got to get our heart right. We've got to get our spirit right. And I'm gonna, and I know I'm preaching the choir. You people all are amazing. But I want to tell you this. There are seasons and times when we can get out of, 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 of balance. And I just want to make a new cry to us. You ask the question. I'm just responding to it. I'm going to love the homosexual the way Jesus loves the homosexual. He wants them to be saved. I'm going to love the lesbian the way Jesus loves the lesbian. He wants them to be saved. I'm going to love the heterosexual, and I've got a church full of them that have had affairs and brokenness and mess, and I could call you by name, but I'm not going to do the way Paul did today. But I will tell you this. We're out there, but is the church for you? Is it for you? Is it for you? If it's good enough for you, it's good enough for a broken homosexual. It's good enough for a broken lesbian. It's It's good enough for the transgender man or woman. It's good enough. The gospel is relevant for our generation, but we've got to get relevant to the gospel. I don't, if you're a visitor, I don't preach like this every weekend, just every other weekend. The best way to understand, recognize, and address sin is hate sin in our own lives first. It means you've got to look in the Word of God. And that means you've got to listen to preaching today, like today, and not go, well, I'm sure glad he preached to them. <laughs> I've, had, I've had messages. I've had messages where I know God is really speaking to some people, and they will walk up to me and go, Pastor, I'm so glad you preached that. There's some people that need to know it. I'm going, dear God, you're the one that need to know it. <laughs> you're so full of yourself. You're so eaten up with Pride. So eaten up with racism. So eaten up with self-ambition. So eaten up with lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. And we've cloaked it all and made it look all sweet with a pretty dress. I'm just going to tell you, Church needs a baptism of love. Love. I'm going to jump to the end of my message. I've got more to preach. But can I jump to the end of my message? You may be seated. Thank you so much for responding. Do we argue over the demise of social morality while ignoring our own lack of holy living? Are we ignoring the same heart attitudes that have been our culture's demise? Pride and selfishness and anger and materialism and envy and lust. James 1.15 says, After lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. The word there, lust, can also be said in another 
translation is desire. After desire, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death, and our world is dying. The church may be, along with them, dying because of the idolatry of desire. When self replaces God, there's no room for abundant life. The eternal is replaced with the material. And separation from God is the inevitable result. The harsh reality is that this society is the way it is because of human hearts just like yours. And we can't expect to transform culture when we have not transformed our very own minds. We cannot expect society's sins to be conquered when we refuse to acknowledge our own transgressions. So before arguing about abortion, and I'm with you, I hate it. So before arguing about abortion online, I want you to turn off the sexually promiscuous TV show. Before getting on our soapboxes about the demise of the American family, I want you to start respecting your husband and loving your wife. Is that okay? And before burning sinners on a verbal stake in the name of hating sin, ask yourself, does this action reflect the holiness of God? Am I really presenting the truth in love or have I lost my love in zeal for truth? Am I really presenting the truth in love or have I lost my love in zeal for truth? Instead of repeating, hate the sin, love the sinner, I'm telling myself something else, and that is hate my own sin and love the way God does. Mercy is what draws us to repentance, is the hope of our gospel. It's the most lasting, loving way to rule, to truly hate sin, is to love the gospel. You want to hate sin? You don't have to put it on Facebook. Let me tell you how to hate sin. Love the gospel. Because the gospel is the good news. The reason God says some strong things about certain sins in the Bible is because these sin, sins hurt us. And He loves us. And He doesn't want to see us hurt by sin. And I think we need to be strong enough in our faith that God and God that we can touch a sinner where it hurts. Listen to me. Without, without it destroying who we are. When I thought about this, I thought about Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, and it's a very unique text. It says this. It says, Suddenly a leper came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, folks, that's leprosy. We don't have a lot of leprosy in our world today, but in that time, I've only seen one leper in all my life, and I was in Israel, actually, when I saw it, or in that part of the world when I saw it. But it's, it's a rough-looking thing. And leprosy in the New Testament is a type of sin. It's, 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 leprosy is not a sin in itself, but it's a type of sin. And so we talk about sometimes there's a spirit of leprosy. It's like there's a spirit of sin, okay, if you get that. Suddenly a leper came and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. 
Jesus did something that I don't know that I could do. He reached out and he touched the man with his hand. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Some of you have come to me at different times and your kids are hurting and they've made horrible choices. And You've asked me in those seasons, should we support them and where they're at? And I've looked back at you and said things that you didn't expect me to say. And I said, if you don't love them, who's going to? But my child is doing this and they've chosen this lifestyle. What if that's the modern day leprosy that nobody wants to touch? Did you realize there was law, an Old Testament law? It told them not to touch a leper. But Jesus ignored the law and picked up the spirit. And he picked up the, he ignored the, the letter of the law and picked up the spirit of the law. And he picked that up and he reached out and he touched. And the Pharisees, the church went nuts. He said he's in sin get him. He's touching the leper. And Jesus reached out and touched. In verse 16, he cast out the, the spirits with a word and, and, and other people. So he could have told that to the leper. He could have said, I cast it out in my name and the leprosy would have been healed. You believe that? I do. But he chose not to do that. In this situation, with a skin, horrible skin disease with noses missing and ears missing, Jesus reaches out and grabs hold of a man that maybe have lost two of his five fingers and grabs the open wound, touches him. In this case, he didn't speak the word. He touched the man. And I think Jesus is screaming this thought down through Christianity in 2018 and said, are you willing to touch? People are not supposed to touch the lepers because the disease would spread. But Jesus touched the man so that the cure would be spread. That's why he did it. He knew what he was doing. He could have spoke the word, but he said instead of the disease being spread, I want the cure to be spread. And this is how you cure the world. You've got to touch them. But you can't touch them if you don't have the antibody of Jesus Christ working in you. Because what happens is you touch them and they make you what they are. And some people are not strong enough in the Lord because they think that if I reach out and touch them, and I don't mean in a sinful way, but you reach out and touch them and you love them, that the God in you is not strong enough that they'll pull you and make you what they are. But we need strength in our legs and strength in our spirit and strength in our prayer life and strength in reading the Word of God that I can love a man who is an alcoholic without me becoming one. 
and I can love a man who is struggling with homosexuality or has fallen into that sin because I know who I am in Christ. And you can love a lesbian woman and you can bring her to the house of God and say, this church is not going to beat you up or whatever because in this house, such were some of you. But the righteous, hallelujah, the righteousness of God, the love of God reached to you where you are. And God looks at sin as sin. He looks at brokenness as brokenness. And we want to we wanna put it in different levels and different categories. But he said it's sin is sin. And he needs somebody in the church and saying, hey, that's, that's me, dude. That's me. I was, I was caught in the act. Or I wasn't caught, but I made it in. But I got to tell you, one way or the another, the grace of God loved me in my brokenness. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself because God knows I love myself. Man, I'm telling you, would you come up and play, buddy? Would you come up and play? I want to I touch someone. I want to repent in front of you. What I'm preaching about, I can preach about with passion because I've had to have a change in my spirit. Because I'm a man. And I'm all man. There's no debate. Is that all right? And everything within me can't stand something that wants to stand against that. But I've got to know who I am. And I've got to know that I've got the Jesus antibody, if I can say it that way. And I've got to quit making fun. And I've got to see hurt the way Jesus sees hurt. I want to cry where Jesus cries. What is Jesus weeping about? If I'm the church, I'll weep where he weeps. I'll love where he loves. It's hard for this to be, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard for us to really do what I'm preaching today and not be scoffed at. And people stand up and say, he's a compromiser. Look at him, I bet he approves of that sin. Listen to me real close what I'm about to say because it's revelatory. acceptance is not approval. You might want to write that down. My acceptance is not approval. That's why I can keep hugging some of your necks, some of your necks, and I know you're in sin. I have no doubt I know where you're at. I don't approve of where you're at. But I hug you and smile at you because I'm trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm not 
trying to sound like the old perfect one. My acceptance is not approved. So the world's going to scoff. The world can make fun. The church, really, it's not the world's. The church can make fun and say they compromised. I'm called a compromiser. I don't know if y'all know that or not. I'm called a compromiser because I let people that don't fit the mold and the make love people at our front door hand out bulletins and hug babies I'm a compromiser the world's not calling me that the church is where have we gotten so wrong that loving a sinner is compromising and all the while those four and no more in their churches are not wanting people to Jesus and everybody's screaming how holy they are and I'm looking and saying they're as vile as you can be and their righteousness is as filthy rags. And it's not the size of the church that I'm scoffing at. It's the spirit in the church. And if we're not careful, we can have the same spirit in our lives. So I'm going to make it known today. My family needs grace. I need grace. You need grace. But I got news for you. I also need truth. I'm not going to blur the line, blur the line of truth in my hunt and pursuing grace. But I'm not going to blur grace in my pursuit of truth. So we're a church where grace and truth.